0: Here I was doing this fabulous job for one of our national treasures. And what I experienced was this yearning, like something was missing. I'd become friends with the woman who ran the Barrier Reef and I said, look, Wendy, would you mind having dinner with me? I must know what this yearning is for, this longing for something that's missing. You know, as a child and teenager, I had a relationship with a divine source with universal wisdom with god and i don't have that anymore i didn't understand that this yearning in my heart my longing was issuing an invitation for the angels to make contact with me
1: welcome to the spirit sisters podcast my name is karina machado and i'm the author of spirit sisters Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts As ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. As always, I'm glad you're here and I trust that today's conversation will contain something some moment that will really speak to your heart. My guest today is intuitive and angel communicator Kate Raymond. Kate studied piano, clarinet, voice and choral conducting at the Conservatorium in Newcastle, Australia, and later on scholarship at the University of Washington in Seattle in USA. It was here that she met a spiritual mentor called Jean Sherwood, who revealed that angels had told her about Kate's arrival a year earlier. Jean even showed Kate the page in her spiritual journal where she'd recorded the message. All a hint, perhaps, that the angels had great plans in store for this young Australian musician. Kate went on to work as a corporate executive and later as a consultant based in Sydney. In 1996, her life was profoundly changed by meeting a group of angels. You're about to hear exactly how they met. It's quite fascinating, They invited her to connect with them and paint them. Though not an artist, she began to paint with these beings and was taught how to commune and co-create with them as colleagues and friends. It's such an amazing story, a musician turned corporate high-flyer who accepts the angel's invitation, even if it means having to start from scratch learning how to paint, as well as somehow making this extraordinary new calling fit in with her everyday life. Enjoy my conversation with Kate Raymond. At the end, Kate shares a beautiful message from the angels that she received just for us. It's very special. Hello, Kate. Welcome to Spirit Sisters. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you. (laughs) It is so wonderful to have you. Now, as I was saying to you before pressing record, I am so excited to hear all about your relationship with the angels, your painting of the angelic choir. We've got so much to talk about. But I do feel that it would be wonderful for the audience and for me to hear about your spiritual foundation of your childhood. So what I'd love to know, Kate, is what kind of spirituality did you grow up with? What kind of relationship did you have with the divine and or the angels to set you up for this magnificent event that went on to happen in your life?
0: Well, I was born a country kid. And the thing about children who live in the country, you know, you can't go down to the local shops to get something. You have to learn to be resourceful. I learned as a very little child to, I guess, trust nature. There's something divine about the beauty of nature, quite apart from animals and all those things, being close to a river, being able to sit and look at the water I ran away a lot (laughs)
1: because
0: I wanted to know what was over the next hill, you know, so my father was always on a horse chasing me (laughs) (laughs) because I'd get so far. Of that childhood, I think the thing that really got into my veins was loving sitting under trees and feeling their grace and the beauty of a breeze through their leaves, you know, so... This sort of experience of nature was deep in my veins and it was probably the first experience I had of spirituality, although I didn't understand that was it. And then we moved from that part of the country to the Hunter Valley. I was six when we moved and for one Christmas I was given a beautiful tape, as it was back then, and a little recorder. And I would play this tape every night and the tape was about, well, the tape was called The Littlest Angel. And, you know, the story of The Littlest Angel is this little angel was always whistling off key in heaven and getting into trouble. And I felt that fitted with me because I was getting, always getting into trouble for something or other. Every night I would go to my room, climb into bed with the tape and recorder and play it to myself and then I'd go to sleep sort of dreaming of being with the littlest angel or even being the littlest angel and then I'd fall asleep with the angels and God. Now, it's only been in recent years I've realised the impact of that. You know, that's a very rich thing to be experiencing at six and seven and Mm. eight, you know. I was in a family that was a Protestant family. I would go to Sunday school and church with my mother mainly, and my father wasn't that interested in church. And uh, I developed a real connection, heart connection with Jesus and God, and it was a uh, for me it was something I relied on a great deal because uh, it you know sometimes things were challenging in that family, and somehow my connection with the divine was my golden thread through life at that point then when i was 11 we moved to the city and we went to the same protestant church and you know at a very young as a very young teenager i became the church organist though i began to notice that the people in the sanctuary running the church service were all men they were altar boys they were not altar girls or there wasn't a woman minister and I I started to notice that and the other thing that was happening was at school I went to a church school and the you know ones uh, who were organizing the hymns for school assembly were older than me but they got a bit bored with it and I was like I don't know 14 or 15 so I just took it over so this whole notion of heart singing and heartfelt connection with the divine sort of came through from the beginning from nature and then through music at age 15 I made an appointment with the dean at the cathedral he's the one under the bishop Uh, could I come and talk to him about my spiritual life and he found this unusual Anyway, I talked to him about the fact that I'd had a great connection with Jesus and God, but I'd lost it and I didn't know what had happened. And he talked to me about what he called the dry years, which is when you're going from one level of connection with the divine to another. And it's like steps on a ladder where, you know, in between the rungs, you're sort of just not quite sure. And he explained that's where I was at. And to, just to trust the process, it would be all right. And he rang my mother and said, you know, uh, Mrs. Raymond, I want you to know that the questions your 15-year-old asked me were often not asked by uh, those studying to be ministers. And then to go back to playing the organ, I by the time I got to be 18, It bothered me that there were uh, 75% women in the congregation of this church and yet they weren't represented in the sanctuary in any way. And I felt that my connection with the divine was certainly equal to those in the sanctuary. And I couldn't articulate discrimination at the time But I knew it wasn't fair and I decided to leave the church, which I did. After that, I had a very secular existence and ended up in the corporate world, as you know, and it was really only connecting with angels, which
1: I know we're going to talk about, that finally brought me back to God. There's a real sense listening to you that that connection came easily to you and that it was innate in a way. Do you feel like a connection to the divine is innate in all of us, but from a very young age we're conditioned out of it by society, by our families, by, by the norms?
0: I think you're right. I think it is innate in all of us. My understanding is that, you know, the difference between angels and archangels and us Is that they're full of divine light brings of truth and love and light divine light and that each of us within us has a spark of the divine it's not only our spark of life but it's also this spark of the divine and so I feel that I've always had that and that we all do and somehow that divine spark for me is central to my existence. Maybe it's like any type of muscle, emotional muscle or physical muscle. The more we use it, the more perhaps it grows or has the opportunity to grow. Each of us having that divine spark has that, potential for that golden pathway of divine light as being integral to our life path
1: so yes we can all follow that that beautiful beautifully lit golden path to more meaning in our lives that leads to more meaning in our lives
0: yes and you know that's extraordinarily nourishing it's free we don't have to buy it we don't have to consult anyone for it you know it's ours for the asking really. As for the development and we also get all this support if we ask for it.
1: That's wonderful. So in your life you innately knew that as a little girl and, and attended to that but then the dry years and everything else that came with just the, you know, the normal demands of living life and then you found your way back to them in the most unusual way and that's what we're going to get into speaking about now.
0: All right, so I became a consultant. I did a Master of Business Administration when I got back here and uh, became very interested in the corporate world. You know, I became a corporate strategist, change agent and presenter and then I started doing uh, authentic leadership training and coaching with CEOs and their executives. And one of the jobs I did was... It was uh, with the whole Barrier Reef region. I designed and facilitated the uh, coming together, bringing together of 70 organisations across a number of sectors with the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority running the project. And they'd invited four groups to put in proposals and I and my colleague had won the project and Here we were on this extraordinary project in the Barrier Reef. You know, we all fly in to Townsville and go to Magnetic Island uh, to do some of the planning planning sessions and so on. And partly that was because I could close the bar at a certain time. (laughs) So I could keep everyone able to function and plan properly the next day. What I'm leading to, Karina, (laughs) is that here I was doing this fabulous job Uh, for one of our national treasures and what I experienced was this yearning like something was missing and though the project became a world model on how to do that sort of thing to develop an agreed plan between all the organisations for the future of the region what I experienced was this yearning and I'd become friends with the woman who ran the Barrier Reef and I said, look, Wendy, would you mind having dinner with me? I must know what this yearning is for, this longing for something that's missing. So finally at the end of dinner, I heard myself say, you know, as a child and teenager, I had a relationship with a divine source, with universal wisdom, with God, and I don't have that anymore. That's what's missing. That's what I'm yearning for. So I didn't understand that this yearning in my heart, my longing, was issuing an invitation for the angels to make contact with me. So I started to write a spiritual journal journal of a night before I went to sleep. And I noticed occasionally that there were paragraphs I didn't write, and then it became whole pages. And it made me reflect back to Jean who got, you know, who had this journal where she got mess- she got the message I was coming from the angels. And I thought, oh, I wonder what. Anyway, so I lived in Sydney and sometimes I would go to a beautiful harbour beach called Balmoral to walk along it. And mm-hmm. I was prompted this Sunday afternoon to go and walk on Balmoral Beach. I didn't really understand who I was prompted by but I just thought I thought of it anyway I'm not the sort of person who will just call in on you and to visit I'll phone first to say you know is it okay to drop by for a cup of tea anyway I parked the car and a friend of mine lived down there and his name's Daryl he was a public prosecutor and spiritual healer and so, you know, he tried murders, murderers and rapists during the week and on the weekend, he did spiritual healings because, you know, it had been passed down through his family.
1: So That's intriguing. Darryl,
0: <laughs> intriguing and, and a charming, handsome man, I might add. So it was just where I was parking the car and I thought, oh, I'll say hello to Terrell. So I knocked on the door and he said, oh, so nice to hear from you. Come in, come in and come and have a cup of tea. So... We're sitting having a cup of tea, and he said, I've got an intuition for you. I said, oh, really? He said, yes, you should meet my friend Susan. I said, why? He said, I don't know. And I said, Daryl, is that all you've got? He said, no, that's all I'm getting. But he said, it's interesting. She lives up in the Blue Mountains, and she's seldom in Sydney, but today she's in Sydney, and she's dropping by in about 20 minutes. Why don't you wait and meet her? Now, since then, I've discovered that this sort of thing is called an angel arrangement, where the angels put all the pieces in place for you to experience. So, this beautiful young woman, Susan, a single mum, long brown hair, big brown eyes, you know, definitely a medium, just looking at her, and her little son uh, arrived, and we're sitting talking, she and her son's playing on the floor and Daryl and she and I are talking. And um, Susan says, Cassandra would like to speak to you. And I, you know, you've got to remember that I was your corporate consultant, you know, the padded shoulders, the gold buttons that take me seriously kind of girl. And I looked at Daryl as much as to say, who is this flake, you know? And he sort of nodded like, it's okay. So I said, look. Susan, with respect, the only people I see here are Daryl, you, myself and your son. Who's Cassandra? Oh, she said, Cassandra is an angel I channel. I went, oh, I I was sort of cynical to be truthful, Karina. I said, oh, and she said, she wants to speak to you. I said, really? I just could not believe an angel would want to speak to me. She explained that she's a trance medium, and I didn't know what that meant. And she explained that she could leave her body and the angel could come and use her body to speak to me. And I went, oh. Now, it's interesting what I heard from that. Because I work in the corporate world, and their confidentiality is absolutely crucial for your clients. Yeah. So she said, so you have the conversation with angel cassandra but i can't hear what you're talking about and i heard right i get confidentiality which made it more interesting to me and private and in the context of you know i'd been this yearning that i'd been having i thought it was interesting that this was coming about in my life and i I wasn't sure, but I said, look, give me your details. What would happen if I came and had a session with you? And she said, oh, you drive up to the mountains and you bring your list of questions with you. And you could record it. And I said, okay, all right, thank you. And then I thought about it and I thought, well, I might get some answers to what's going on. And I like adventure, to be truthful so i made a booking with susan i didn't tell my husband i thought he'd think it was far too woo-woo. and i drove to the mountains with my list of questions and a tape as it was then so it could be recorded and so i came into to susan's living room i said well what do i do she said well i go into a deep meditation and i leave my body and then the angel comes to speak to you and i was like well what do i do about the recording she's like She'll speak and twitch the recording on. Okay. So Susan seemed to go into this deep meditation and then the light in the room seemed to change, like not the electric light. It was like the radiance of some being, like an angel. Anyway, the angel Cassandra came into Susan's body and said, we come to you in love, light and truth this day. Is this acceptable to you? And I, I must admit that I'd always thought that angels sort of looked down on us a bit. I don't know why, but that I did. And so I was surprised to be treated with such a cord, you know. And I said, uh, yes, that's most acceptable, thank you. And she said, now, we know you have questions. However, we would like to address the energy you are at this point in time. And then she gave me a readout in percentages of how healthy each of my bodies were, my physical, mental, emotional and spiritual bodies. And the body that needed the most work was the mental. And to be truthful, I had been rather negative at that point and a bit pessimistic. And so she said, you know, this must be addressed. Okay. Okay. And I noticed that occasionally Angel Cassandra would move Susan's head and it was like I could feel like a group of angels there, but I it felt like a group. I didn't know what I was, you know, I just it felt like a group. And occasionally she'd look at them and go, settle, settle. It was as though they were all saying, tell her this, tell her that, ask her this, you know, and she was like, listen, folks, I've got this handled. So she answered my questions. I've got to say, Karina, that I have never heard anyone since sound as truthful as Angel Cassandra sounded. And no matter what she said, what did it for me was the truth, the sound of truth. Mm. And so at the end of it, she said, um, we leave you with our Love, our light and our truth. Thank you. And off Cassandra went. And I sat there for a while thinking, oh, and the other thing she said was she <laughs> she poked Susan's chest and she said, you don't have to speak to Cassandra through this body. You can just call on me and I will come. I thought, well, that's good. I get to be independent in this process, whatever it is. So as I drove back down the mountain, what I noticed was that the yearning and the longing had gone, that whatever my heart needed in connection with God, the angels and archangels, had taken place. So that was sort of the start. Then initially I didn't call on Angel Cassandra, but then I, you know, the bumpiness of life, I started to call on her and what I noticed was where I asked for guidance or things happening in my life, synchronistic events brought them to me. Sometimes it came through friends, sometimes it came through the sort of angel arrangements like when Daryl and Susan and I had met and I thought, oh, this is how angels work. We can't see them. They only have a light body. We have a light body, but we have a physical body too. So we can't expect to see them all the time. And so after a while, um, the angels started saying, we'd like you to paint us. That's sort of how it started. Oh, and there was one more thing. You know, if you've agreed to do something before you come, you know, if you come with a mission, and you're not doing it, the angels and archangels can't say, listen, you said you'd do this, get on with it, because we live in a free will zone. So they can't say to us, you know, get a move on. What they are allowed to do is to put a question into our mind, interestingly, not to our heart, to our mind. Because normally angels talk to our hearts, to our heart knowing. Anyway... I started getting this um, question come to me, which was, I wonder if I could paint. After a year of this going on, I'd been troubleshooting on an industrial problem where there were 3,000 people were going to lose their jobs if someone didn't sort it out. And that was the job I'd been working on. And then I was going to have a bit of a break after this project and, you know, this question had been going on for a year and I'd had a background in music and I thought, oh, maybe I should just take a lesson or something in art or explore it. And the local art store in Mossman where I was living, the guy was really nice and I talked to him about it and he said, look, just come up and use my studio and I'll give you the odd lesson, you know. And so, of course, I didn't have any drawing skills or any knowledge of painting. And I started to paint with acrylic, which is, you know, the most forgiving of all mediums. If you make a mistake, you just slap another colour over the top because it's acrylic. And so I would tube paint onto the board I was working on. And that that helped me discover my love of colour. So I'd had that experience although I didn't know how to draw although I didn't know anything about watercolor when the angel started saying we'd like you to paint us I was like listen I don't really have knowledge in this area I'm not a painter I'm a musician and you really need someone who can paint and also who's got an open heart so I was sort of saying well no thanks and i understand that many people feel history when they've been asked to do something by God or the angels have said no it's not me you need someone else <laughs> so i was quite happy ignoring the whole thing and um i'd gone to a business lunch on a sunday it was like a barbecue for a football club and my husband's my husband was the ceo of a major corporation here and was one of the sponsors of this club and so we went to um, this lunch and you know everyone was there plus Santa sort of thing and I sat next to a businessman who was on a lot of boards around Sydney Graham Gold, and he said so what what are you doing and he was a bit spiritual and I thought I'll take a chance and I said well look It might surprise you, but I started having experiences with angels. And he said, oh, I've got an invitation on my desk that's been sent to me, but it's for you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, there's this woman who paints angels in oils who lives on the south side of the harbour. And clearly this invitation is for you. So give me a call on Monday and I'll send the invitation over to you. So I rang this Woman and said, Look, I'd love to come and see her exhibition. And she said, Look, it doesn't open till tomorrow, but come late, late this afternoon and we'll have a cup of tea and you can look around the exhibition. So she did multiple glazes in oils. And so the beings in the paintings looked like beings of light, like a human but made of light and with a sort of a halo-y light around their heads. And coming from each painting was this extraordinary, though very subtle, angelic energy. And I just, I simply did not want to leave the exhibition. I remember going out and sitting in the car before I drove home and feeling how extraordinary how beautiful, how glorious and not fully understanding that it was angelic frequencies, but somehow my heart understood. And so I bought a couple of paintings from her and then um, like a couple of years later, when I was, it might have been a year later, when I was going through this being invited to paint angels and it resisting it, I had a call from this artist and she said, look, I'm coming over your side of the harbour. I have a message for you. Would you like to meet for lunch? And I said, sure. So as I was walking towards the lunch, I thought, who do we know in common? Anyway, we sat down at lunch and she said, well, here's the message. So I got a little pad and she said, the message is from Archangel Michael. She said, he said to tell you, stop fretting about the watercolor. You need to do three th- three things. And they've since told me if you give me things in threes, so I'm happy. And so you need to do these three things. One, get in tune with the paints, understand what pigments in the watercolours make beautiful colours and what ones make mud. So I wrote that down. I thought, yeah, I could do that. Number two get in tune with us. Pray, meditate, be in silence, walk in nature, get in tune with us. And I thought, oh, yeah, I think I could do that. And number three, put those three things together and paint us. So I wrote that down and thought, oh, maybe I could do that. So I went home I made a cup of tea. It's always, my, it's always my go-to thing, make a cup
1: of tea. Very wise.
0: <laughs> and just sort of try and integrate this experience. You know, like I, it was very hard to um, come to terms with, to be truthful, Karina. And then the next day, would you believe? Because I'd mentioned to a couple of friends, not many, I was keeping it all secret because I worked in the corporate world, um, I've mentioned to a couple of friends that maybe I might paint angels because these things had been happening. So the next day I got three phone calls. One was from a friend who said, oh, I know about an angel exhibition with the woman paints in watercolours. Right. Wrote it down, got the details. Next call was, do you know there's someone who has a gallery where they show angel paintings? No, wrote it down. And the third one said, and this was the clincher, she said, now listen, there's a very good art store at Seaforth and it's a beautiful store and they have very well-priced watercolours and I think you should go. (laughs) I wrote it down and I sort of looked up at the ceiling and went, all right, all right, enough already. I'll go to the art store. So I went to the art store and I discovered, as those of your listeners who paint know, how expensive, you know, I just thought the tubes of paint were a bit like, you know, being in a lolly store. You know, you could have this colour and that colour, blah, 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 and then I got to the counter and they went, oh, dear, you have bought a lot of watercolour and then the bill was so high, I had to say, look, I'll put some of them back. On the counter, there was a magazine with a woman and some of her art on the front, which was in watercolour, and what she taught was how to throw the paint and turn it into a picture. And I thought, actually, that would be good because I don't know how to paint and I can't draw. So I rang her up and said, would you be open to me coming to your class and for me to paint the subject matter that I would like to paint? She said, oh, of course. So I checked into the class. Her name was Lynn, a lovely woman. Um, And so the first few uh, paintings I did in watercolour on paper were things like frogs and coral till i understand stood the process and then the next one i had to take sort of the drawing from something else i knew what this angel wanted to be painted like and i'll explain that in a minute and i came to understand that each angel has a quality that it radiates right so the quality uh the, the angel that came to be painted was Angel Aloysius, who, whose quality is pathfinding through difficult circumstances and giving insight. And I thought, well, that's perfect because I don't know how to paint, so we have to find our way through this.
1: And, Kate, so, did you just understand that that was his quality? Was that part of the understanding that came along with his name and and the knowledge that you had to paint him? So how the
0: ideas arrive for the painting is i get intuitive hints and knowings coming to my heart center you know and so i've learned to get a plastic a4 pocket and put the hints in so he wanted to be painted by the sea he wanted to have a blue t-shirt on and the way i would experience it i might be looking through a magazine and i'd see someone in a dark blue t-shirt and it would have a pull for me like a, that's part of the picture yeah okay so gra- gradually i would build up this is what this angel is about this is how he wants to be painted and he wanted to be painted with a cap on his head and a like a roll in his hand like a map with the sea behind him which was frankly a bit daunting to be truthful and yeah. um what came to my heart knowing was pathfinding okay and I wasn't sure that he meant I was finding my way or this was about him well it was true of
1: purpose, really.
0: yeah. so his quality and then, and then he gave me the knowing that he was also about insight so gradually I came to understand over a number of paintings not then I came to understand that each angel radiates a quality and that has a particular frequency. And what I discovered that if I, you know, I take I'd take my painting on a board, I'd clip the paper to the board, which you can see on the website if anyone's go, um, and I would take it home on the board and then I'd paint it home. Now, if I painted for six hours, with an angel's frequency going through me, which I didn't quite understand was happening, the human body doesn't quite know what to do with divine light. It's such a different frequency to our own frequency. So that at the end of six hours, I didn't know whether to run around the block, have a cold shower, eat chocolate, try and sleep, or what to do to integrate this divine light and what I learned was the best thing to do was to go for long walks and it helped the divine light integrate into the physical body. And where I saw something about this, I had gone on a jazz and gospel singing tour, a cappella tour to the States at one point. And we did a lot of singing in Afro-American churches and we would be up the front with their choir near the sanctuary or in the sanctuary, and they talk about the spirit moving in the church. And when the divine light came, it would seem to come in the back door, well, I suppose it was the front door, down through the congregation. People would literally swoon in their seats and then it would come up to the front where we were. And if there was, you know, and usually there was uh, a woman singing from the Afro-American choir, that person would be so moved by the spirit that after the church service, she would sit and just sort of coming back to normal space. When I started having this experience, I thought back to seeing these people and realising that was the uh, effect of divine light on the body. And so I came to understand that's what was happening to me and gradually over a number of paintings with these being given the hints and, you know, putting it all together and then one day doing the drawing, I came to understand that these weren't normal illustrations. These were what Fra Angelico did in the Renaissance, which was sacred embodiments of a divine frequency.
1: Were you aware of Fra Angelico then, or is he somebody that you came to learn about? And if you could just tell us very briefly about him, please, Kate.
0: I've read up about him since I've heard about him. He was a very humble individual in the Renaissance. I want to say a monk. He wasn't a monk, but he was some sort of designation like that. And he was an artist and he honoured God. And he's the one who did extraordinary paintings of angels. And also he's the one that did that painting. And it's a lot of us know about it. It's the painting where the Archangel Gabriel is speaking to Mary. Yeah, remember that painting?
1: Yes, I'll but look it up. I'll look it up. But I think I do know the one you're talking about. yeah
0: Yes, and so he's the one that did that painting and he's done other truly beautiful angelic paintings in the Renaissance. And then I've read that that those paintings were sacred embodiments and I thought, okay, so that's what this is. That's why I get all that energy coming through me into the paintings because if I put 10 of the angel paintings out for you, what would happen is you'd look and go, well, I like the look of that one over there on the right, but it's this one over here on the left I'm to work with. And I used to think, when this happened, I used to think, how do they know? You know, as how does Karina know what it was and what it is? Is the heart knows what angel they need. So if it was someone who needed peace, they'd be drawn to the angel of peace. If it was someone who had trouble things going on in their life, it would be angel Aloysius, the pathfinder through difficult circumstances. So I came to understand that our heart energy or our heart chakra, if we want to call it that, recognises the angel we need. What's the frequency we need to help us feel better, to cope with our life more and to live a happy and meaningful life.
1: What a beautiful idea and um, I'm thinking I will definitely book an angel consultation and come and see (laughs) what angel my heart's drawn to as soon as we're able to move about a bit. (laughs) Oh, that is just beautiful and goodness, a lot of angel arranging went on to get you to that point where you attended that initial workshop to learn about how to throw the paint on the canvas. And uh, so Aloysius, you painted him then with his cap and his background of the sea and his rolled up scroll underneath his arm? Yes, I did. And, you know, as an angel, I really love him.
0: And I have to be truthful. (laughs) I called on a group of angels to um, support our conversation this morning. And one of them was Aloysius to help us find our
1: way through the interview. Beautiful. So I know that there are some absolutely wonderful stories around the angels that you paint and how they've come through to you and how they communicate with you. And one of the things that struck me as you began to tell me a little bit about them just, you know, in our conversation prior to recording was that they are just full of personality. I was wondering, you've told us a little bit about Aloysius and how he came through. But I was thinking, could you please share some more stories about them? I remember there was a, a wonderful story about Astarte, who I think was the second angel you painted?
0: Yes, that's correct. So I had a few ideas come to me, you know, in the way I've described like the plastic pocket and so on. And and this, the name that came was Astarte now I thought, okay that's as good a name as any and I wasn't sure if I'd got the right name but that was the name that came now what is interesting for your listeners is that angel Astarte it turns out is the angel whose quality is the goodwill of happiness the healing of grief and the removal of sorrow and she particularly asked today that I talk about her so that Those uh, of your listeners who, you know, have a dear one who dies, it's very easy to be in grief because of the loss. I've had that experience myself. However, sometimes the sorrow sticks around and she can remove it for us. And the reason she suggests that we ask her, and we have to ask, they can't help us without us asking because we live in a free will zone, she's suggesting that we ask her to help us and to remove any sorrow and grief, help heal grief, is because when a spirit leaves the body and transcends, there's still the heart connection with the humans that they loved who are still alive. And so they feel our pain. They feel our sadness and our loss. And so what Angel Astarte encourages us to do is to celebrate the life of that individual, to still love them, to celebrate the life and live the best happy life we can because the being in spirit then feels happier and likes hanging around us. And doesn't feel sad, and I think that's a very important message.
1: Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Astarte. (laughs) Well, back to the
0: story. So, I'm in. So, you know, all the suggestions came for her painting, and the name Astarte arrived, which I wasn't sure if was I got correctly or not. So, I'm sitting. Lynn's studio had a mezzanine floor where she slept and then this big sort of square table in the middle and bookshelves around on the walls. And I was sitting sort of on one corner and I looked to my left. I was on that left corner, looked to my left, and there this transparent image of an angel just sort of stood by the side of the Table, but up in the air, and she had sort of, you know, she sort of showed me her hair, and there was back in a chinong, which that's what she wanted, and what her clothes looked like, and I wanted to look around the table and say, "Hey, check this out!" And then I thought, well, they probably they were busy anyway, but they probably mightn't see her. So I uh, thought, okay, I think I've just experienced an angel showing herself. It's like she sort of stepped out of the invisible state, if that makes sense. Anyway, so I said to Lynn, the teacher, oh, this angel I'm painting, this angel, Astarte. And she said, oh, that's nice, you know. And we threw the paint and she showed me what to do and so on. And I should add for someone who's an artist who's listening who would know that you can draw the picture and then put masking fluid on the top of it which protects the paper and keeps it white while you throw the paint in other parts of it, right? And so I didn't say to Lynn that I was getting messages from the angels. I thought she might think I was a bit weird. So I got a call that night after I'd started her painting, the start painting, at about nine o'clock at night from Lynn saying, I've just had a remarkable experience. I said, well, what was that? She said, well, I walked back down in my studio to get a book from the bookshelf and one of the books had come off the shelf and was open. She said, it's a book on goddesses and was open at goddess Astarte. And I thought, I've got the name right. That's fantastic, you know. So that was sort of Astarte's
1: story. That is amazing! <laughs> okay. My gosh, the book just just jumped off the shelf, or, or somehow, and opened to that page. And it's a beautiful name, which I'd never heard of before. And it's amazing to know that, that she exists. Yes, and that we can call on it. <laughs> yeah, know. excellent. And
0: then another experience I had was with an angel, who's in the first book, called as is a Actually, is Angel Franny, spelled. P H R E N Y. And I say Frenny, some people might say Frenny. Uh, and I was walking one very early morning around the neighbourhood uh, when I lived in the city. And I came around a corner, and there on my left, next to the house that was there, was a very tall Frangipani tree. And, you know, how frangipani blooms do. They'd fallen on, some had fallen on the path and on the grass either side. And I sort of stopped and looked at them, trying not to step on the frangipani blooms. And then up ahead, probably about four feet away, this being came out of being invisible she was about three feet off the ground, three to four feet off the ground, in the shape of an angel, no wings. And it, it was like she was meeting me and I sort of bowed my head as a way of deferring to her and acknowledging this presence. And the knowing that came to my heart was that she wanted to be painted sitting in a frangipani tree over water. I thought, okay, I've got that. That's good. So we just sort of looked at one another for a while and then she went invisible again. And I sort of felt relieved that no one had been around. And, of course, she'd figured that out. And the name that came was Frenny or Frenny. And I went home and wrote all the details down and sort of half-sketched what she wanted. And then, you know, it took months and months to actually paint the painting. So that was sort of a meeting in the street, as it were, you know. And her quality is she helps us be, she helps us relax. And she says... If we take a deep breath, we connect through to our higher self and to God and to remember to take time each day to simply sit, breathe and be. Be with our higher self, be with God, be at peace. So she radiates this ability to be and she describes her quality as You know, she says humans love this idea of being on holidays. It's this relaxed holiday feel, and that's how her quality feels.
1: Hence the frangipani as well, that sense of a a beautiful tropical summer moment. It's lovely.
0: Yes, yes, I agree.
1: And I know you like the
0: story of Angel Cassandra, so I will mention that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Angel Cassandra... In her painting, she li- she's lying on her side, right, in a sort of white dress with a purpley sort of jacket and a purpley sort of halo and a soul star above the head. With the soul star, we all have one. It's our connection on high, right?
1: So is that uh, two words,
0: Kate, soul star? soul star? Yes, it's our soul star chakra. Okay. And that's you know we have our heart chakra our throat going up our heart throat chakra our throat chakra our third eye chakra our crown chakra at the top of our head and then we have an energy energy center above our head which is called the soul star chakra and so the angels wanted to be painted with a physical body to represent to so that humans would know they were user-friendly you know they had sort of they wanted to be be depicted in a human body Mm -hmm. they wanted a halo to represent their divinity and a soul star above the halo to represent the body of knowledge each one brings about their quality and their connection on high to god so there was cassandra in this sort of grecian setting and if some of your listeners want to go on my website, kate, K A Y T, Raymond, R A Y M O N D.com, you will find a picture of sort of from the knees um, to the feet of Cassandra. And she's got this lovely sandals on. Now, when I was painting her, I mean, it's a bit funny, really, Karina, because You know, I talked to the air, actually. And so so I said uh, to Angel Cassandra, now, would you like sexy sandals or strappy sandals, right? And anyway, I don't know if I went into a bit of a daze or not, but I looked down and these beautiful sandals had been drawn. And I said, oh, they're beautiful. And I heard in my heart, knowing divine design and... um, (laughs) Anyway, she has this long hair, creamy sort of hair, and she wanted a hair clip to pull her hair back. And I'm sitting there in the studio at the painting table going, Cassandra, you're a divine being. You look like a 12-year-old with a clip in your hair. You can't have a clip. So this negotiation was going on. Meanwhile, I was trying to be calm and peaceful and meditative, bringing through the energy into the painting. Anyway, of course, she wanted the clip, so I did the clip or we did the clip with her putting the energy into the painting. And about six months later, a girlfriend of mine walked in to visit and she's a clairvoyant and she said, have you been painting someone called Cassie or Cassandra or something? I said, yes, Cassandra. She said, well, she says to tell you that the clip in the hair is about clear seeing and clear seeing is important for clarity
1: that's why she wanted the clip to keep her hair back so she could see clearly yes. <laughs> it's so it's so practical as well as you know divine it's lovely and I love Kate hearing you speak and you you're obviously very um, you understand about the chakras now and you know you you can talk so beautifully and readily about your connection with the angels and at the same time, you're a very accomplished woman, as the world would judge it, with a, with a Bachelor of Arts in Music, an MBA, corporate strategist, change agent, presenter, and as you've told us, you do authentic leadership coaching with CEOs and executives. This work obviously takes you deep into the corporate world, and I guess I'm wondering about the idea of, quote unquote, coming out of the spiritual closet. Are you happy for them to remain quite separate? It's an interesting position to be in. What
0: I do in the corporate world is I call on specific angels and archangels for whatever I'm doing. I can remember doing a project at a mine site in Western Australia with a young man who works with me, and uh, he types everything up as we go that everyone's produced, you know, that goes up on the whiteboards or witches paper. So we're working with hard copy about half an hour or an hour hour into the planning event. And I was doing a three-day or four-day planning event for a mine. And for those people who don't like mining, please understand they meet as much light as as they can get. I feel very comfortable working in those organisations as well as other corporates. And um, so the top team was known to be rather political. And you find this often where there are mainly men on the team, they will take pot shots at one another. It can get a bit ego-dominated, domi- and I didn't want that. So my go-to angel for this is an angel called Angel Florence, F-L-O-R-E-N-S, and her quality is friendship and unity. So she's good to call on when you're working with your children or your parents. And I found she's really good to work with on consulting jobs because she gets everybody to work together. So at this particular uh, planning event, I called on Angel Florence and said, please get everybody working together and a few other angels and I think one archangel. Florence has a distinct, distinctive quality and frequency she brings to the room At the end of the first day, the general manager stepped forward and said, that is the best meeting we have ever had. Let's keep it up. And so at the end of the planning event, everyone in the group and the general manager said, thank you so much. We've never experienced a a situation where we all got on so well. And somehow... Angel Florence has the ability with her quality and frequency to have people who normally don't get on for one of them to say, well, what we need to consider is such and such and such and such for your needs to the person they don't get on with and for the person they don't get on with to look surprised and then a bit later to reciprocate. So people start going okay, this person's different to me, but we're both human and we both can work together. So that, you know, planning event for these people was an example of how to move forward. And, of course, for us, for Adrian and I who were working on the project, we were like, yay team, you know, Mm -hmm. and and they said thank you to you, Kate, and to Adrian. And I thought, if you guys knew how many of us were working on this, you know, all your guardian angels and this angel team, you'd be spooked probably. But uh, <laughs> there was a lot of us who worked on it, you know.
1: Well, that's a wonderful story to share about how how you merge the two worlds. And it sounds like you don't necessarily feel that you have to come out and declare that you are working with Angel Florence or other archangels, and that this might be a better way to do it, perhaps. Maybe there is no need to to say, would you say,
0: Kate? Yeah, I think, I think it flows more readily, plus, you know, it's career enhancing because if I talked about angels in the corporate world, people would think I was high woo-woo, whether I know what I'm talking about or not. Yes. And so it's sort of career-threatening to yes. talk about, you know, the only time I have mentioned it was when I was working with the CEO of a very big, wealthy private school. Uh, I think he'd heard me speak somewhere and he invited me to come and work with him and his top team. And he said to me one day, Look, we've got this big building program on. We're going to build a new building. It's going to cost us 48 million to build it. And we need a really good project manager who understands education. He said if you know someone let me know and I was h- home sitting on the lounge and this angel reminded me about a very good project manager because I love working in the building industry and I thought she'd be perfect if she still does this work. So I rang her. so here I was this you know this angel was talking to me about this woman project manager and I thought how do I say this to the CEO the principal of the school so I went to have a meeting with him and I said look I have thought of someone and this is her name he said oh so he met her and he said oh okay, she's godsend and her energy on the top team working with the top team has been very good and I said to him Peter you've worked in a number of church schools do you ever feel God helps you and he said to be truthful yes and I said well this came from God's help really the suggestion of this woman because an angel reminded me of her name he sort of looked at me <laughs> a bit <laughs> surprised and he went well well an, an angel's sort of a messenger from God right and I said yeah so it's sort of got on your side, I think. So he just sort of nodded and then we went on talking about whatever we were talking about.
1: <laughs> in the corporate world, there seems to be a movement towards learning about mindfulness and, you know, these ideas that are aligned with a lot of what we talk about on, on this show, for example, but they're coached in, in different terms, you know, that that yes. seems to be more acceptable. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, so you've told us about that world. Now, tell us a little bit, please, Kate, about what happens at your angel consultations and also of the spirits of the late loved ones, late loved ones of the people sitting with you that often will come through at the end.
0: Okay. I just need to explain one thing. And that is that an angel radiates one quality, as I've mentioned, which could be kindness or wisdom or whatever. And an archangel radiates multiple qualities. They're much more powerful. So Archangel Michael has explained that an angel is sort of like a book in the library with its one quality and an archangel is like the library with their multiple qualities. And so an archangel has multiple angel choirs all, each choir doing different things. Each choir has a purpose, right? So the Archangel sort of directs the choir, which is why Archangel Michael had asked, had sent me a message about getting on with the paintings because it's a particular choir I'm painting. Mm. And the other thing to mention is that each of us, you know, we've heard of guardian angels. Each of us has four guardian angels, not one. And the reason through the centuries we thought it was one is that one is with us and the other three sit out in our energy body, guarding it and looking after it. We come with a series of purposes. We're going to do this and this and this in this life. And so those purposes sit as holograms in our energy body. And the other three guardians, the ones who are with us at the moment, are looking after our energy body. And they swap. So we have one of our guardian angels with us 24-7, and there's one of the four who's the one, if we call out to God, and we often do, but it's from our heart, so our mind doesn't really understand we've done it, but sometimes we pray to God and so on, and our mind doesn't know that. So that particular angel will take our message to God and bring God's message back to our heart. So that's how the system works. And... To go on to your question about how does an angel consultation work and how spirits come at the end of it. Uh, So an angel uh, consultation is really, I call them angel consults. It's really a conversation with the angels through me. So the person either by phone or Skype or in person brings their questions. We each call on the angelic choir, which is the choir I work with, Some people just want to call on the angels and archangels. That's fine. And we each go in silence and we call on them. And then they list off their questions for me and I write them down. I write them down because the angels often choose which order they'll answer the questions in. And so effectively what I do is I bring, I'll say question number three, which is such and such. The angels want to start with that one. And so I bring through the answer to the question and then the person who's having the consult might say, okay, now angels, you said this phrase, I don't quite understand what you mean by that phrase. Then the angel will explain. And so we go through all the questions and sometimes someone will say, oh, I've got another question that's come to mind and they'll take those as well. All sorts of people have angel consultation. I've got a whole group of business people. Uh, entrepreneurs particularly who like who are spiritual and like having chats to the angels about (laughs) their projects and you know writers and artists and all sorts of people really and the spirits come at the end there's I could see them standing there waiting for their turn they don't always come there's not always a spirit who wants to say something to the person however I'd like to give you a few examples like I had Uh, a medical doctor, a general practitioner come for an angel consultation and she came with her list of questions and the main question she had was, look, angels, I want to specialise and I want to know which is the best specialty for me. Should I do emergency medicine or intensive care? And the angel said, from what we see of your life and how you practice as a physician, you would be best suited to emergency medicine and you know I just have to trust what comes down the line so I said all that and then I could see this being this spirit waiting anyway this woman we'll call her Helen Helen said I could tell she was waiting for something after we'd got through the questions and I said is there anything else Helen she said I just wondered if there's anyone else has come today uh, I said, look, there is a being here. She calls herself whatever she calls herself, and she comes from the medical profession. So would you like to speak to her? And she said, yes, that would be my mentor for many years who, was, who worked in medicine. And she explained the name and how they knew one another and how before she died, this spirit had really guided Helen through her medical training and so on. So I said, so, Helen, what's the question to your friend here? And Helen said, what would you advise about what I specialise in? And the spirit said, from a medical perspective, I would agree with what the angels have said. You are eminently suited for emergency medicine. Helen was just delighted. She'd had the okay and the guidance from the angels and from her former mentor, who was in spirit, And she left as happy as Larry, and now she's specialising in emergency medicine. Love that. (laughs) Then I had a woman, Sue, who came. She was living here and in Australia. She had a husband who was English, and she was going through, through a divorce process with the husband being in England. And this woman's father came at the end of the angel consultation. And he gave her a lot of advice. He said, look, this is what your husband is doing to hide his finances in England so that he pays you less money. And the father had been off and checked all the things (laughs) that the husband was doing and where he was hiding his money. Then Sue knew what to do and how to check and where to check if this husband had bank accounts or investments or whatever. So she was very pleased because that would help her with her divorce. And the other example I'd like to share is a lovely one. Let's call the woman Pat. Pat uh, works in retail, though she has sort of medium qualities. I could see it when she walked into the room. And anyway, she sat down and we did our angel consultation and she's very pleased what the angels guided her and so on. Then there was this spirit waiting who looked to be about 20, and she had on this sort of lovely, nearly diaphanous swing skirt. And I'm literally sitting here swinging my hands to get the movement right. So she had this swing blue, sort of mid-blue swing skirt on in diaphanous material with little gold moons and stars all over the skirt. She clearly loved her skirt. And this spirit had been a friend of the woman in the consultation the spirit the young girl had died at age 14 and pat had missed this friend very much and the spirit had come to say that she never left pat's side she was always with pat and so when pat felt her around pat would know she was really there this, this this spirit wanted to just chat and chat and chat. She was so happy, you know, happy to be having the chance to say this to Pat and just so happy. She was bubbly and it was great pity that she had died at such a young age. She walked with us to the door, the spirit sort of travelling along about the side, the side of my ear, really, and she said, that the spirit said to me at the door, I want to come back in the next life. With Pat. So off they went to the car, and the spirit sort of went, she let Pat go ahead to the car, and then she sort of went whoosh off to the car. So I rang Pat later and said, Look, don't be a bit surprised if the spirit doesn't come to you and say, Let's have another life together, because I think that's what she's going to suggest. And Pat said, Oh, she's already come. We've agreed to come as twins.
1: Oh, they're absolutely beautiful stories, Kate. As we're um, approaching the end of our conversation, I'd love to ask you if you could share with us, please, a little about the angelic choir that you're painting. It's 77 angels, significant number there. What can you tell us, please, about the choir and and this beautiful work you're creating?
0: The angelic choir has been the choir through time, the angel choir through time, Their purpose has been to make it easy for humans to connect with angels, archangels and God. That's been their job. They first inspired paintings way back in Mesopotamia and then they inspired all those beautiful angelic Renaissance paintings that we know of. And now they're inspiring these paintings and to come through me or with me or all of the above. And I imagine there'll be other artists around the world that they're inspiring as well. And so you're right, there are 77 beings in the angelic choir. Ten are archangels and the rest are angels. And so they're the ones being painted. Now, I've been doing this for quite a while now and I'm just about to start painting number 40, which is Archangel Uriel. He's the manifestation angel. Archangel, and um, he I've taught about him at workshops. He is the one of the archangels that brings the truth beyond words. His quality, when I run a workshop and we call an archangel Uriel, the his quality that comes into the room. There's absolutely no need for words. It's the truth beyond words. It's an exquisite, exquisite experience of the closest thing I've ever experienced to God's love. And people become quiet, they close their eyes, and they blend with his frequency. So I'm just about to paint him now, and I'm quite excited about it because that's the frequency. That's going to be coming through to be embedded in his painting. So I'm about halfway, you know. You could say. So I've got to keep. They've got to keep me alive to get the whole, <laughs> to
1: get
0: all of the paintings. So they're done.
1: individual portraits, are they?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And they all give me hints about this is how we want to be done, and blah 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 blah. So Archangel Uriel, he's different to all the other archangels in that he didn't want a whole body and head and halo and soul star. He just wanted a big pink light across the picture, right? Mm. Because the way he is structured energetically is that he ble- when we call on him, he blends with us and our life. So he brings this beautiful frequency through us and helps us create what we want in our life. And I was sort of saying, or pushing back a bit and saying, humans won't get it you know, against Israel. they just won't get it, this nation of the pink light, if you're not there. So we've this discussion's been going on for a while and where we've got to is I'm going to put his shoulders, his head in halo and soul star, and then there's going to be pink light sort of floating so you won't see the rest of his body. Uh, and then there's a painting of a house behind and trees and a stream and so on. So that's what I'm about to embark on.
1: Wonderful, and i I can't wait to be able to see these these beautiful artworks, Kate. And flowing on from that, I wonder, uh, I know that you're working on a book. Is this where we're going to be able to see the pieces?
0: Yes, some of them. I've done uh, this series of three books, and I'm currently working on writing book three. Uh, there's about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen angels. And archangels in each book the first book is called or they're all going to be called angels for today and uh, it's currently being considered considered by a us publisher uh, an illustrated books publisher and that will have a story about the angel with examples of people who've called on that angel it will have a picture of the angel and a blessing you can say to call on the angel's assistance so you can talk directly from your heart to theirs and call on them or call from your mind if you want, or you can say this blessing. And so that'll all be in, there'll be one of those for each angel.
1: Wishing you the very best of luck with that US publisher. I think that at this point in the history of the world, we really, really need those messages of hope and love that uh, the angels impart. So, th- yeah, thank you and good luck, Kate, with that. Thank you. Uh, keep, I, keep me posted, please. On. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will, I will. You know, if any of your listeners would like to go to the website, let me repeat, it's K-A-Y-T, Raymond, R-A-Y-M-O-N-D.com. If you want to contact me for an angel consultation or to say hello, there's an email there and also a phone number. Yes, I I just do want to say one thing, and that is that the last painting to be painted is to be a picture of all the angels drawing close, angels and archangels drawing close around Earth. And it's a statement that, yes, the angels are helping us through this difficult time and into the future to help us, help ourselves and help the planet to survive intact and be continue to be a beautiful place to live. That's what's really happening now, and it's the last painting to be painted. I should also mention to you and your listeners that Angel Demetrius, who's in Book One, uh, along with all the other angels I've mentioned today, he... His quality that he radiates is self-worth, self-valuing, and self-trust. And he wanted me to give a message to you and your listeners today. And that is, at this time in what's going on in the world, it is very easy, particularly with COVID and etc. cetera and all the wars and so on that are going on around the world, it is very easy for us to join mass consciousness and to be worried or feel isolated and to be at the effect of mass consciousness. And he says to us, seal your reality. Seal your reality so you have in your life the people you want. You only occasionally listen to the news. You manage how you are and you have your own unique consciousness understanding that you have that within a mass consciousness however you're careful about how you let the mass consciousness affect you so that was one of the specific messages for you and your listeners today
1: oh thank you so much that certainly resonates with me very much today and i'm sure that it will with other audience members too thank you so much kate I think um, the last uh, question I want to ask you pivots back to the beginning. And when you were telling us about the initial moments of the angels making themselves known to you, you told us that you said you need a painter and you need someone with an open heart. I wonder now, all these years later, how the angels helped you open your heart and what difference they've made in your life throughout these decades that you've been working with them? I'll try not to weep,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is my heart response really. Um, I was to paint Archangel Gabriel some years ago and I, because he's, you know, the leader of the Angelics and has multiple qualities and it was the first Archangel I'd painted, I was like having cups of tea rather than starting on the drawing because I knew that his energy to bring through my body was going to be big. And I was standing at the sink and this uh, remarkable sort of peace came down over the house and me. And I literally said aloud, is that you? meaning, is that you, Archangel Gabriel? And what came to my heart knowing is, yes, and get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) You've painted all these angels. You're prepared. You've got the bandwidth to cope with me. Start. And because Archangel Gabriel's purpose is to help our heart expression in the world, I said to him, Archangel Gabriel, will you open my heart, please? And so he said, yes, and that's what he did as we painted him, really. And so, yes, uh, I've become a painter and, um, you know, Archangel Gabriel opened my heart. And, Corina, I've never said this to anyone interviewing me. I'm told I have to do a sculpture at some point with all their qualities. I cannot imagine what that would be like. I haven't even carved a you know, cake of soap. Mm. However, um, I figure if they taught me to paint and they opened my heart, they'll just have to figure out how to teach me to sculpt. And I'm just not going to worry about it because it's a bit too <laughs> overwhelming, really. <laughs> so that's the answer to your question. And I have something I wrote, like a blessing, that I'd like to read you and your listeners at the end.
1: Please, please.
0: So this is to all of you who are listening and to you, Karina. May you smile from the love of God's grace. May your tears be ones of joy. May you live your essence and flourish. May your gifts touch the world and change it. May you face what needs to be faced, step up and own your strength. May you welcome renewal and transform. May your heart express its calling and your purpose give you meaning. May you hear your soul's yearning, level up and shine your light. May sunshine give you warmth and sustain you. May fair winds greet your days and peace hug your nights. May life unfold you and uplift you. May success and accomplishment be yours. May positive abundance embrace you and true love and friendship surround you. May you know that you are loved and are loved. And may the angels and archangels bless you every day, every night, always.
1: Thank you very much, Kate. Now, I'm the one trying to hold the tears back, but (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much. It's been such a delight to speak with you today. And I know that uh, I certainly have the hope that when your book is published, and it's a when for sure, we'll talk again.
0: That would be lovely. And thank you for being such a wonderful interviewer. I really appreciate
1: it. Thank you, Kate. And I know the listeners are just going to love this. I really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story.